think I'll actually be able to get it to work this evening. Okay. It's good to be here this evening. I do desire your prayers that the Lord would guide me and what I would say would be His Word for us tonight and not mine. I was thinking of Matthew 7. And judge not that you be not judged. Matthew 7 and 1. For what judgment you judge, you shall be judged. And what measure you meet, it shall be measured to you again. And why beholdest thou the mote that is in thy brother's eye, but considerest not the beam that is in thine own eye? Or how wilt thou say to thy brother, Let me pull out the mote out of thine eye, and behold, a beam is in thine own eye? Thou hypocrite, first cast out the beam out of thine own eye, then thou shalt see clearly to cast out the mote out of thy brother's eye. You know, the Lord is very merciful. This judge not that you be not judged, it doesn't mean that we can't discern or understand what something's right or wrong or when something in our own life or someone else's life is right or wrong. That's not what he's talking about, us discerning it. He's talking about us passing condemnation on someone else because of their actions. None of us, if we're honest, are worthy of the Lord's blessings. None of us are, are good enough of our own without His mercy, without His forgiveness. You know, when I think about back through the Old Testament line of Christ, for instance, the Son of God coming to this earth, you know, in our, in our fleshly way of thinking, we would probably think, well, He needs to come from a pure bloodline. A bloodline that didn't have a lot of people messing up and making big mistakes in their lives. But that wasn't the case. When you look back through the examples, there's a lot of people in, in the lineage of Christ that made some major, major mistakes. But God's mercy overcame them. Let's look in. And uh, not not looking to that yet, but let's begin. Let's go over to Luke, chapter seven, verse thirty-six. Luke seven thirty six and one of the Pharisees desired him that he would eat with him, and he went into the house of the the Pharisee's house and sat down to meet. And behold, a woman in the city which was a sinner, when she knew that Jesus sat at meat in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster box of ointment and stood at his feet, behind stood at his feet behind him weeping, and began to wash his feet with tears, and did wipe them with the hairs of her head and kissed his feet and anointed them with the ointment. If there ever was humility, it was there. 
Now when the Pharisee which had bidden him saw it, he spake within himself, saying, This man, speaking of Jesus, if he were a prophet, would have known who and what manner of woman this is that toucheth him, for she is a sinner. And I've heard one of my brethren preaching on this and made a comment that that Pharisee was like, well, she wouldn't be touching me. She's a sinner. Verse 40, And Jesus answering said unto him, Simon, I have somewhat to say unto thee. And he said, Master, say on. There was a certain creditor which had two debtors. The one owed him 500 pence and the other 50. And when they had nothing to pay, he frankly forgave them both. Tell me, therefore, which of them will love him most? Simon answered and said, I suppose that he to whom he forgave most. And he said unto him, Thou hast rightly judged. And he turned to the woman and said unto Simon, Seest thou this woman? I entered into thine house. Thou gavest me no water for my feet, but she hath washed my feet with tears and wiped them with the hairs of her head. Now this was something out of respect that Simon should have done, but he hadn't. He hadn't he hadn't give Jesus any water to wash his feet. But the woman washed her but the woman performed this act of washing his feet with her own tears and the hair of her head. Thou gavest me no kiss, but this woman since the time I came in hath not ceased to kiss my feet. My head with oil thou didst not anoint, but this woman hath anointed my feet with ointment. Wherefore I say unto thee, Her sins, which are many, are forgiven, for she loved much. But to whom little is forgiven, the same loveth little. And he saith unto her, Thy sins are forgiven. And they that said it meet with him began to say within themselves, Who is this that forgiveth sins also? And he said to the woman, Thy faith hath saved thee. Go in peace. This woman loved Jesus. She knew what it was to be forgiven. She knew the debt she owed, and it was wiped away. Talk about a debt of gratitude to Christ. Any different for us today? Are we like Simon or are we like the woman? Do we realize our debt? Do we realize that nothing we can ever do will repay what the Lord has done for us? We don't deserve His mercy, His love. We never have. We never will. That brings us, should bring us to a great love and appreciation for our Lord. Look at John 12. In verse 1, Then Jesus, six days before the Passover, came to Bethany, where Lazarus was, which had been dead, whom he raised from the dead. Now remember Lazarus, Mary and Martha. Remember the conversations, the conversation Christ had with, with, with them about the resurrection. Remember how that their brother was, had been raised from the dead by Christ. 
they were very close. Well, the scriptures bear out that Mary and Martha and Lazarus were close to Christ. They were, they were dear to him. He was dear to them. They were, they were dear to him. Now look in verse 3. Then took Mary a pound of ointment of spikenard, very costly. Now, I've looked at the different, um, at the different times this washing of the feet with the hairs of the head and the ointment and the tears. From what, I, from what I can see, this is not the same situation, not the same person or the same situation. Apparently this happened at least twice. If it if it were the same Mary and were the same person that we read about in Luke in Luke seven, that would even bring, that would even make it more uh, amazing to us, maybe or how would you say? But regardless of whether it was the same person or not, I don't believe it was. But this this particular act of 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 love that Mary is showing to Christ is to her Lord who, who had raised her brother from the dead. Mary took a pound of ointment of spikenard, very costly, and anointed the feet of Jesus and wiped his feet with her hair. And the house was filled with the odor of the ointment. Appreciation for what God had done, for what Christ had done. Love. That's what you know, well, the scripture tell us to love the Lord our God with all our heart, all our soul, and all our strength, and all our mind. This, this is the first and great commandment. But, brothers and sisters, whenever we grasp what, at least a part of what He has done for us, that love just comes out. What's the way we feel? We're thankful. We're thankful. It's not something that we have to be do because God's commanded us. We can't create this kind of love. We can we can do what the Lord has told us, and we and if we love Him, we will do what He tells us because we love Him, not because He's going to beat us with a stick if we don't, but because we love Him. Appreciation, thankfulness. You know, we're not worthy. Mary wasn't worthy. This the the one who washed his feet with her hair and kissed his feet and washed his feet with her tears and kissed his feet, wiped them with the ointment over there. She realized she wasn't worthy, but she was so thankful. Now, I was talking earlier about think about the lineage of Christ. The way we as men would think, well. God was going. To, God would go back through all that time, and He would have picked out, made sure that those people in the lineage of Christ were worthy to be in that lineage, but He didn't. I want us to read about one of them, Genesis thirty-eight. Genesis thirty-eight. And it came to pass at that time that Judah, this is one of the sons of uh, Jacob, one of the twelve tribes of Israel, heads, came to pass at that time that Judah went down 
from his brethren and turned into a certain Adullamite whose name was Hiram. And Judah saw there a daughter of a certain Canaanite whose name was Shua. And he took her and went in unto her. So Judah marries this, this Canaanite woman. He left his uh, left the household of his, of his father and his brother. And, and he went out here to, uh, had a friend called Hiram. And he took a wife of the land of the Canaanites. And she conceived, verse 3, and bare a son, and he called his name Ur. Now, we could go back. We could, talk, we could look at Judah and some of the things that he had done prior to this. He was part of selling Joseph into slavery. Judah was in the lineage of Christ. He'd already been a partaker of, of selling his brother out of hatred. And apparently it was kind of, his life was kind of, you know, out of, and out of sorts with God at least. Because let's look at the next few verses here. First he went off and left his family that the Lord had you know that they were they were had been traveling together. They'd been being together, and the promise was to them and their family, to their lineage. He'd left his family. He went out here, and, and he married this lady, and she bears him a son, called his name Onan. Verse five. She yet again conceived and bare a son, called his name Shelah, and he was at Jezib when she bare him. And Judah took a wife for her, his firstborn, whose name was Tamar. Verse 7, And Ur, Judah's firstborn, was wicked in the sight of the Lord, and the Lord slew him. Now, we know the Lord is pretty merciful. Now, how wicked was Ur? Well, we don't know. It don't tell us, except it says he was wicked enough that God slew him. So, apparently Judah's sin in his own life must have had an effect on how he was raising his children because his children weren't growing up to be godly people either. God slew Ur. And verse 8 tells us, Judah said unto Onan, Go into thy brother's wife and marry her and raise up seed to thy brother. And Onan knew that the seed would not be his. And it came to pass that when he went into his brother's wife that he spilled it on the ground, lest he should give seed to his brother. And the thing which he displeased, one thing which he did displease the Lord, wherefore he slew him also. So we got two sons of Judah being killed because of their wickedness. God himself killed them. Not a, not a good witness for Judah's teaching of his family and the life he lived before them. Verse 11, Then said Judah to Tamar, his daughter-in-law, Remain a widow with thy father's house till Shelah my son be grown. For he said, Lest peradventure he die also as his brethren did. And Tamar went and dwelt in her father's house. And in the process of time, the daughter of Shua, Judah's wife, died. So Judah's a widower now. And Judah was comforted, and he went up to his sheep shears to Timnath, Timnath, he and his friend Hiram the Adolamite. Now, Judah didn't give the other son to Tamar as he was supposed to have done. He said, well, his reasoning was wasn't because his sons were wicked that they died. 
it had something to do with the wife they married. It was her fault. Verse 13, it was told Tamar, saying, Behold, thy brother-in-law goeth up to Tenmouth to shear his sheep, and she put her widow's garments off from her and covered her with a veil and wrapped herself and sat in an open place, which is by the way to Timnath. For she saw that Sheila was grown and she was not given an end to wife. When Judah saw her, he thought her to be a harlot because she had covered her face. A lot of, a lot of things going on here that ain't right. A whole bunch of them. He turned unto her by the way and said, Go to, I pray thee, let me come in unto thee, for he knew not that she was his daughter-in-law. And she said, What wilt thou give me, that thou mayest come in unto me? And he said, I will send thee a kid from the flock. And she said, What wilt thou give me? Wilt thou give me a pledge till I send it? And he said, What pledge shall I give thee? And she said, Thy signet, and thy bracelets, and thy staff that is in thine hand. And he gave it her. And came in unto her, and she conceived by him, and she arose, went away, and laid by her veil from her, and put on the garments of her widowhood. And Judah went, or Judah sent the kid by the hand of the friend, the Adolamite, to receive his pledge from the woman's hand, but he found her not. Then he asked the men of the place, saying, Where is the harlot that was openly by the wayside? And they said, There was no harlot in this place. And he turned to Judah and said, I cannot find her. And also the men of the place said that there was no harlot in this place. And Judah said, Let her take it to herself, lest we be shamed. Behold, I sent this kid, and thou hast found, not found her. Verse 24, And it came to pass about three months after that it was told Judah, saying, Tamar, thy daughter-in-law, hath played the harlot. And also, behold, she is with child by whoredom. And Judah said, Bring her forth and let her be burnt. Judge not that you be not judged. For what judgment you meet, it shall be measured to you again. Remember that. Thou hypocrite, first cast out the mold out of thine own eye, then shalt thou see clearly to cast out the mold out of thy brother's eye. Judah wasn't in much of a place to be cast, to be handing down judgment from his own life. He was about to find out it was a lot worse, a lot more to this situation than he ever dreamed. Verse 25, when she was brought forth, she sent to her father-in-law saying, By the man whose these are am I with child. And she said, Discern, I pray thee, whose are these, the signet and bracelets and staff? And Judah acknowledged them and said, She hath been more righteous than I, because I gave because that I gave her not to Sheila, my son, and he knew her again no more. Can, I can't imagine the shame he must have felt. The thing he had did, that he had done, was now out in the open and everybody knew it. Culmination of mistake after mistake after mistake. Verse 27, it came to pass in the time of her travail that behold, twins were in her womb. And it came to pass when she travailed that the one put out his hand and the midwife took and bound upon his hand a scarlet thread saying, this came out first. And it came to pass as he drew back his hand 
that behold, his brother's brother came out, and he, she said, How hast thou broken forth? This breach be upon thee. Therefore his name was called Pharez. And afterward came out his brother, that had the scarlet thread upon his hand, and his name was called Zerah. I want to concentrate on Pharez here for a little bit. We, we see all this bad choices and sins that were that were being done in this situation to create this pregnancy and this child, Pharaoh's. Wonder what kind of child he grew up to be. These other sons of of uh, Judah were wicked men, but this child of Judah, we have a little more record of him. We don't have a whole lot about what all he did. At least, at least I haven't. Don't recall where it's at if it tells us much. But we do have a record of him. Let's turn over to Ruth, chapter 4. I find Ruth. I know it's in here somewhere. Because I was reading it just a little while ago. No, I can't find it. After Judges. After Judges. It hadn't moved. <laughs> it hadn't moved. My mind might, might have moved somewhere, but the book of Ruth was still there. Ruth 4. I'm, I imagine we all probably know the story of Ruth. And how... And, and how uh, about Naomi, her mother-in-law, and all, all, all the things that the Scriptures tell us here in the book of Ruth. It's a beautiful story, a beautiful example of God's love. The love of Ruth for her mother-in-law and the mercy. I guess you could say the biggest thing to me would be the mercy of God toward Ruth, toward Naomi, even toward Boaz. Ruth 4. Now, God is the God is good. Verse eleven. Well, let's back up. Now, Boaz had was taking was uh, was marrying Ruth, and verse and verse nine says, Boaz said to the elders and all the people, "Ye are witnesses this day that I bought all that was Elimelech's and all that was Chalons and Malons of the house of Naomi." Moreover, Ruth the Moabitess, the wife of Milon, have I purchased to be my wife to raise up the name of the dead upon his inheritance, that the name of the dead be not cut off from among his brethren and from the gate of his place. Ye are witnesses this day. And all the people that were in the gate and the elders said, We are witnesses. Now this next little bit here is going to tell us a little bit, give us a little insight of the reputation of Pharaoh's. The Lord make the woman that is come into thine house like Rachel and like Leah, which too did build the house of Israel, and do thou worthily in Ephrathad, and be famous in Bethlehem, and let thy house be like the house of Pharaoh's, whom Tamar bare unto Judah of the seed of the Lord, that the Lord shall give thee of this woman. 
of the seed which the Lord shall give thee of this young woman. Pharaoh's had a reputation. His household had a reputation, and it was a good one. It wasn't like Ur or the other son of Judah that God slew. It was a good one. But look where he came from. He came from bad choices and bad situations, but yet God honored him. It's no different today. God does not judge the children for the mistakes of their parents. There are times that people can do some terrible things, make some bad mistakes in their lives. And yet God, after when they repent and turn to the Lord with all their heart, God can turn some those things around into blessings. I'd venture to say that those ladies that worshipped Jesus' feet with the tears and wiped them with the hairs of their head were great witnesses for Christ. What makes a great witness when it realizes how unworthy they are? When it realizes what Christ has done? What greater witness can there be among God's people to those in the world who don't know God, those that are having a life that's all messed up? What greater witness can there be than someone who has been there and done that and received God's mercy and God's forgiveness? Thank God for His mercy. We, we never, never want to make those wrong choices. That's not what the Lord wants for us to do. But thank God for his mercy that when those wrong choices are made, if we get in our life in a position that's all messed up, we don't have to stay there. God's mercy is there. He tells us in John, talking to us, God's covenant people, those that have trusted the Lord, been baptized and are walking with him, he says, if we, have, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. If we say we not sin, that we're a liar and the truth is not in us. And he says if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Our lives are not a witness because we're like the Pharisees and had good deeds that people could look at. If we walk in with Christ, we will love Him and seek to have those deeds in our life. But the greatest witness we can have is to tell others what God has done for us. Be a living witness to His love and His mercy and His forgiveness. <clears throat> because people in the world even God's people that have gone back into the world. When they get to the point like Psalm 107 talks about, the last verse, it, it talks about of, of coming to it. One of the verses says, are at their wits end because of the sin or the things in their life that God, the, the chastisements that God has brought on them or the lessons that God is teaching them. 
They come to their wits' end. Then they cry to the Lord in their trouble, and He delivereth them out of their distresses. And the very last verse, I love that last verse of that chapter, Whoso is wise and will observe these things, all those examples He gives of God's dealing with people's hearts to bring them back to Him. Whoso is wise and will observe these things, even they shall understand the loving kindness of the Lord. Those of us that, I don't know, it, it seems to me like personally the older I get, the more I realize that I'm unworthy. I, I've, I've mentioned this different times. That when the Lord forgave me when I began, when I first asked for His forgiveness, when I was nine years old, that was a wonderful thing. And that brought a change in my heart. But believe me, the Lord has forgiven me thousands of times more in a decade since then. And my thankfulness and my debt that I owe to Him is just far more evident to me now than it was, than it even began to be when I was nine years old. I know that forgiveness. It's wonderful. I know that mercy. It makes you want to sing, doesn't it, Brother Tyler? <laughs> Thank God for His love and mercy. That's all I have tonight.